shout-outs continuing. Uh, you got one. Well, hold on. I'll show you. We're naming dudes. We are naming right dudes. But Duco's hot. My man Andrew is getting his second shout-out of the day. We asked yesterday. We informed <laughs> him that we were not 97 years old. We asked him for at least one song from the but, 21st century. But this seems like... Still, like, no, a he's song like, he's like, I don't want to get thinks too far into it. Yeah, he's like, like, these oldies. And guess what? He nailed it. Yeah, I yeah, love, I that, love song. that song. Good um, job, buddy. Just got a couple excellent. I know we got uh, Ben on the line okay. and he we can... got, made him get up early, but we got a couple great Puck Ducos in the break. He's never sat around listening to dudes talk about uh, hockey in his life before. Colorado be okay. Avalanche gold medalist mm. went with Matt Duchesne, Hot. 3%. Hot. Uh, a Carolina and a Calgary Flame. The council agreed on Marty Jelena. Marty G. 2%. And we we ended up going with Doug Waite for Carolina and Otto and uh, the Oilers. And it was 6%. It was okay. correct. We remembered correctly. Adam Foote was 16%. Yeah. So okay. Like that one. All right. All right. Now we welcome in first guest of the day. Uh, very, very happy to do so. Uh, as always, this insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Ben Shulman joining us now. Ben, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? We're doing well. You know, we did. We do feel bad making the guests wait on the line, but as I said, you know, you're, you're Canadian. It's not the first <laughs> or last time you'll sit around biding your time while uh, two hosers uh, talk about hockey. So. <laughs> We're just naming dudes. Naming Don't dudes. It's it's one of the great pastimes in sports is just naming dudes, uh, whatever one you like. Uh, there's a lot of dudes we could name on the Blue Jays. We just don't have many kind names for them uh, right now. Uh, we'll we'll start with the bats. That's where everyone goes. I mean, you see it again. Another let's call a spade a spade listless performance uh siddle was steaming mad at at uh santiago espinal for the pinch hit at bat rightfully so uh vladdy gets the one knock with runners in scoring position but just uh another day and yeah jack flaherty was good i'm not going to tell you otherwise but we cannot sit here after every blue jays game and just give credit to the other team starting pitching there has to be another way to go about this yeah, no, you can't. And I mean, it, you know, the Baltimore Orioles have been really, really good this year, but it's not because of their starting pitching either. And it's the second time that they've come to Toronto and the Blue Jays have hit very little against them in the entire series. I mean, they scored 10 runs the whole series and, you know, a good handful of them were because Shintaro Fujinami couldn't find the strike zone. And mm-hmm. you got to take advantage of that. Don't get me wrong. But they uh, they had a pretty good run out of the break, I think offensively, I really, you know, think that it's a huge, huge bummer in the timing of Bo Bichette going on the injured list. And I mean, people are going to get injured. There's nothing they can do about that, but uh, it's, you know, it has been, you know, a disappointing offensive performance. Most of the time they've played against the Red Sox and the Orioles this year. And that continued this past week. Yeah. And I think the reason that this is so, cause you know, in the grand scheme of things, Ben, you look at where the standings are and Jays are in a pretty good spot heading into the stretch run of the season. But the reason that it's so frustrating and the reason that fans are so mad, and I, I don't know about you, but the, the feeling I'm getting amongst the fan base is unrest. They are not thrilled about watching this team at the moment. I, it's just because it's against all the teams that everybody hates. They suck against the Orioles. They've been terrible against the Red Sox. Like within the division, it's it's been terrible, and I think that's adding to a ton of the frustration that they can't beat any of the teams that everybody wants to beat. Yeah, certainly, and it's teams that you're competing with. I mean, if the Blue Jays were a smidge better against the Orioles, they'd have a much better shot at the division right now if they were anything against the Red Sox because they've lost all seven games they've played against them. Who knows if, if Boston's even in this race? Who knows if Boston isn't selling right now? I mean, it's, it's you know, I... I 
a huge deal in the context of the season, as much of a big deal as it was when the Blue Jays absolutely destroyed the Red Sox last season with their 16 and three record against them. It was something like the Blue Jays and Red Sox essentially had the same record last year, except when they played against each other, where, you know, the Blue Jays won 16 of 19 games in this season. The Blue Jays are significantly better than the Red Sox, except when they play against each other, uh, because the Red Sox are a below 500 team against the non Blue Jays and the Blue Jays are, (laughs) 17 games above 500 against the non Red Sox, like even just including the Orioles, uh, you know, they they're 60 and 43 when they don't play the Boston Red Sox. And that hurts you like that. It would be a lot more comfortable for most Blue Jay fans right now. If the Red Sox were four or five games back, at least instead of being two back. It's one of the weirdest seasons I can remember, Ben. It's just such a weird year. Like the, the strength of this team was always, over this little era of Blue Jays baseball, I don't know however you want to call it, but the offense has always been such a strength for them, and they finally really locked down their pitching staff, and now they can't get a knock. That's that's another reason why it's so frustrating is because the part of the team that everyone's so used to being not dominant, but they've been one of the best. Haven't they been the best offense in the league a couple times here in those last few? And have it be like this, is a it's just stark. It's hard to watch. Yeah, it's and I, I will say I do think it's it's a different style too that takes time to adjust to and is sometimes less exciting. Like you did mention like their pitching has been phenomenal this phenomenal. year. There's really no no other way around it. They've lost a starter. They've been a top five team in baseball. It's fluctuated a little bit, like their numbers went a little bit down in this series, but top five team in baseball throughout an ERA and runs against per game. They've essentially not dropped out of there. And I do think at times that kind of team as as much as it uh, isn't as fun to watch sometimes could be a team better built for the playoffs because sometimes you, you can just pitch your way through rounds of the playoffs, but they, you know, even though they made moves that prioritize defense over offense, they were not expecting to be like this. They are getting down years out of several of the guys that play every day for them. And, and it's really hurt them. Even if one or two of those guys were having better seasons, I think it's a, a whole different offense that we're looking at. Yeah, it is. I mean, you, you, we can pinpoint them all, right? Chapman, Kirk, Vladdy, uh, Bichette, no longer here, so he doesn't count for the uh, for the immediate time being, anyways. And yeah, you and obviously George Springer has been going through it in a in a in a big big way. You know, looking at this team uh, in terms of the lineup construction going forward, how do you would you ideally kind of reshake things without Bichette? Because honestly, without him in there, it's almost like nobody makes sense now. So much of that is Springer's problems right now he doesn't feel like a forget ideal any semblance of a leadoff man I know you can put wit up there but have you kind of thought about how this team should rejig its lineup uh, in the interim without Bichette in it I don't know if I have many solutions I mean slide Danny Jansen up when you know he's in the lineup because he seems to come up with some big hits for them but kind of like you said like I think my top three is still going to be Merrifield belt Guerrero right now. And then you could flip, you know, they had Springer hitting cleanup and Chapman hitting fifth yesterday. And, and at least, you know, I think Chapman's been up and down, but his overall numbers are actually better this year than last year. Not the, the power numbers, but at least the rate stats in terms of, uh, you know, like on base slug and, and OPS. So uh, you could slide him ahead of Springer. I mean, Springer is having like just a, a 
the worst year of his career for most of his stats so far. So you could see him, you know, being slid down, I think a little bit, but you know, it's not like you said, Kirk, you know, hits after Chapman. He's not having a great season. Varsho hasn't been hitting much all year. He is hitting next. So I, I really don't know if there's a ton you can do. I, I think you can bring Jansen up in the lineup a little bit more when you have him in there. But for the most part, I, I'm not sure that lineup changes at this point are going to be the answer. They just have to find a way to hit the baseball a little bit more. Yeah. And I, when they were at the deadline and, you know, after the deadline, I was saying, that you know what maybe they maybe they just need to find a way to 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 get their guys going and that's going to be the biggest difference here and I, I still do feel that way but after watching yet another pretty you know let's be honest here feeble effort with the bats at the uh, against one of your biggest rivals I think just injecting someone else I know they got young but that was more of a Bobachet thing just injecting one other person just to have a different look I know I mean maybe not even better but just somebody different shake things up I know they called up David Schneider for this weekend or whatever but like is that the answer it just feels like a team that needed to be shaken up a little bit and they and they didn't do it yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not the most critical on the deadline just because, like, the biggest bat that went was Tommy Pham. And, like, no offense to Tommy Pham, but that's, like, compared to some deadlines past, you know, like, I don't know if Tommy Pham or Jamer Candelario were here to save the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, I still think it's it's Vladdy and George and a lot of these other guys. I, I'm not saying it wouldn't have helped. Like, I, I think it certainly could have. And you look at the, the trade that – uh, you know, got Tommy Pham to Arizona. And I think that they're, uh, you know, the Blue Jays probably could have offered something comparable there. And they, they didn't give up a ton of prospect capital in their first three trades. And, uh, you know, I know Mark Canna was another guy that people liked. Uh, Mark Canna's offensive numbers are pretty much the same as Paul DeYoung's. He makes more money and would have cost more. So I, I'm not sure that I was huge on, on the Mark Canna trade that much, as much as he's like a fun guy who posts funny Snapchats all the time, and I am into that. But um, I, I, I really do think that Davis Schneider here could be a, a big difference maker for them. You never know because you don't know how much translating uh, AAA to the majors is going to happen. But uh, he has more home runs than anyone on the Blue Jays does this year with 21 and only 87 games. Uh, he's just raking with a ton of power. He still gets, you know, his walks and he's almost a one-to-one walk to strikeout guy. And, and frankly, more than a deadline move, I would have liked David Schneider to be up here earlier. I, I've been trying to get the Blue Jays to pull this guy up for, I mean, and not like seriously, but like been pleading on the radio for them to call him up for a while because he's hitting in a way that no one else right now in the minors is hitting for them far better than Barger and far different. And I think in a more functional way for the majors than someone like Horwitz who's hitting really well, but with not that much power, although he's on a bit of a run right now hitting homers. Uh, But I I do think David Schneider could give them another look at the same time. It's still, I still don't think at the deadline or internally there was anyone available that will hit even in the top five of their lineup because it wasn't like they didn't get Tay Oscar and he went to Philly. He didn't go anywhere. Cody Bellinger didn't go anywhere. None of those huge names like a Soto or uh, Salvador Perez went anywhere. So I, I still really think that, you know, the top of their lineup, just has to figure it out, even if they were to make a trade for a guy like Tommy Pham or something like that. And they haven't done it so far, and they're especially not doing it with the best hitter in that lineup, Bo Bichette, on the injured list for what it sounds like could be a couple of weeks. Yeah, the Teoscar thing's interesting, right? I was very much of the belief that there was a Toronto tax to be paid, but I 
do fluctuate my wonder on that, seeing as how he wasn't moved at all. I don't know how much they were looking to do that potentially. Um, last one for you before we let you go, just Kevin Gosman. It's been over a month since he's had his last absolutely nails, lights out start. He hasn't been brutal in the interim, but it's been a while. Uh, this is the guy who has to be the ace of this team. Uh, that's no knock on Jose Barrios, who's been really good this year, but there's a huge difference between having ke- the best version of Gosman at the top of the rotation and Barrios. Uh, any concern level for him, or do you think that this is a guy just kind of uh, potentially shaking off some rush, shaking off an injury? Where, where are you at on Gosman? Yeah, I'm not I'm not freaking out too much. I mean, it's obviously not the best. The Blue Jays would prefer, you know, to have Gosman, you know, go past five innings of work, which he didn't do yesterday. He didn't do that. He did do that in the previous two starts. Um, I, I think a lot of it was just, you know, he pitched pretty much more than he's ever pitched in a first half for the Blue Jays this season. The four-man rotation, I think, was a really big deal in terms of stress on these guys, and he he pitched really well through that four-man rotation stretch, obviously. Um, he also, you know, he had some blow-up starts earlier in the year. He hadn't really had one in a while, and I will say that I think it's better for the Blue Jays to have some of these, like, he goes six innings, four earned, or four and a third three earned rather than, you know, the earlier in the season where he gave up like eight twice in a couple starts. That doesn't mean it's good that he's had these down starts, but I think overall uh, he's still probably resettling a little bit in. He was, you know, at least dealing with a minor injury recently and the Baltimore Orioles are a phenomenal offensive baseball team uh, in general. And so, and then the other tough start was his first one back after a couple weeks against Seattle. Um, and I think to a certain extent that one could be written off a little bit as a fluke. So I, I'm not very concerned if it kept going for two or three more starts. I think the concern level goes up, but for now, I think my, uh, my faith in, in Kevin Gosman is pretty unwavering. If my uh, math is correct, he'll be back out against the uh, guardians, but obviously not this weekend uh, against the Red Sox. Uh, ben, enjoy the series uh, this weekend. I know the Jays have a big impact on that. So I'm really wishing them luck, but hopefully enjoy your weekend, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. There he goes, Ben Shulman. I do like the idea. He kind of walked it back of like, I've been pushing tires uh, for Davis Schneider to come up. I like him. I like to envision that as him just loudly walking around Rogers Center being like, boy, that Davis Schneider sure is good. In earshot of like Ross and Mark or whoever Mm. else is poking around up there. That's how I like to envision it. Oh, yeah. Davis Schneider getting called up. Sure. Um, Shout out uh, Johnny Sources from the Gate 14 podcast. That's he, uh, hilarious. He, he called. I saw that. Yeah, so he's been fired up about that. And he does I, great videos. On I'm TikTok not aware stuff. of uh, what, oh, yeah. what is he's, Gate 14. He's, he's big on the t- on the talk. On the talk. Yeah. You, I, I can't remember if we did this on air yesterday or not. I was playing golf with a guy and he's like, oh, do you post stuff on? I'm like, no, nothing I do is on TikTok. Yeah. And you inform me I'm on there. Oh, you're on the talk. I'm on there. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. They so got the in your youth, face, pal. The youth know me? Yeah. <sighs> They're always like, this Maybe. guy is so hot. I, all the I, no, actually, the last thing I need in the world is another public forum to second guess myself in. So I'm gonna, I'm good on that. I'm just gonna completely. I again, like all adults in this world, I get my TikToks the way God intended. A Four week and a half later, later on, on Instagram, okay? Uh, J.D. Bunkus is the criminal offender of this. He'll be like, check this out. He sends me so much stuff on Instagram. Like, I don't send you. And I'm like, bro, I'm like, boomer alert. Like, I, I saw this. <laughs> I don't send you anything. I, I do occasionally screenshot. I did send you a screenshot of a funny guy blowing out his Crocs yesterday because they weren't in sport mode. <laughs> um, was there any Czech guys that won the gold medal in Nagano that played for the Oilers? <laughs> That's all you were thinking about. I'm thinking about that. 
I mean, I was thinking about the interview, but whatever. Check, guys. Think about that. That's one for the break. Think about, like, like spa check. Yeah, no. I, like, immediately, and I don't even think he's oh, check. You know, you my know, my went to came... Alish Hemsky. I don't know why. Yeah, I know what would have really been a good one for... for would have been Hey Duke. Mm, that would have been on, good. On Czech Republic. That would have been very good. That, uh, speaking of TikTok, that yeah. guy is good. So, and yeah, again, you, I get you all get this, on TikTok. No, man. no, no, I don't know. Actually, don't get on TikTok no, exactly. because you will become say. incredibly if addicted. You looked at my the screen, if you look at my screen time, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if you get this on your. Like, oh, I get the screen time. You mean the. You mean the. the uh, you suck get a the, life the alert. Multi, the, the most shameful minute of my week <laughs> alert. You mean that one? Yeah, See, yeah I get nice that every week. I, uh, yeah, like, I have, my, I have my laptop too, and it'll do it on there. And I love that one because when I'm not working, I'm never on my laptop. So mm. it's like, you did no screen time this mm. week. And I'm like, oh, look at me. So good. Don't talk to me phone well when i'm you know it's nice like when you're on vacation next yeah. week i'm gonna really try to oh, keep the screen time see, down. that's the problem like when i'm the honestly the only thing uh, the only thing that used to get my phone like completely out of my hand and would just not think about it was golf mm. but now i'm a total well, what generation of the youth i think z z gen z I'm I'm a Gen Z golfer. Mm. Like there's ne- like a no, scorecard. You, you, that's not true. If you're a Gen Z golfer, you'd be like, come play number eight at Humber okay. Valley with me. I tried that. You did. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, because you know when I go to play golf, yeah. you know what I like to do? Play golf. Play golf and play it fast. Fast. And it's like it's hard on my reputation to be like <laughs> setting up a camera. I'm like, oh, who am I? It is a. I would hire. You know, if there's a if there's a, a, a young intern listening that would mm. like to come play golf with me and film me and edit it and upload it for free, or by all means, come on out. There okay. you go. Uh, you're just putting out casting yes. calls on the air now. Yes. Okay, good job. If you if you are in sports media school, I don't know, is that a thing? Yes, it's a thing. <laughs> well, it's a whole college for me. Okay, there you All go. Right. Uh, you know, I will say they have, I've seen like this is advertised and again, it's like very targeted, but I've seen they make golf bags now. Like, you know, they have pockets for everything. Mm-hmm. And I saw one with a dedicated pocket that the whole point of it is, is like you can put it, on your, you put your phone in the pocket and it holds it perfectly with the camera just pop it, popping out. Okay. So you could, in theory, just like, okay, pop your bag right behind the T, give it a whack. Hmm. Like it doesn't make it as a, as arduous as it could be. So, but, but like every other golf bag I've seen uh, advertised on Instagram, it's like $5,000 yeah, for some reason. And it will probably break. In a yeah. Way. Uh, somebody just tweeted me and said, hmm. Have you seen the golf duco version of Puck duco? Oh. What would that even? I don't know. I bet it's like winners <laughs> and where they're from, like yeah, what they've won. No, I, I like I like majors and then like the travelers or what. Golf Duco. Uh, I don't see anything. Send me the link, please. All right. Tweet uh, me the link, Justin Carvey. Okay. Uh, other. Uh, this is uh, Blair and Barkery. What we're gonna do? Just a little quick bit of news from around baseball. Oh, did you see what happened with Shohei Otani last night? Yes. Yeah. He, what do you leave with cramps? Hit leave two with home cramps. Runs, hit two. He and they hit, lost. And they lost. Had two hits. Had tungsten a homer, arm. Tungsten arm. Oduil all over again. Yeah. Uh, four scoreless innings. Had a bomb. Had a stolen base. Had a knock. And uh, left the game with cramps. This is that's the Shohei hat trick. Well, I was gonna say He's like Mr. Crampy. This is not nothing. Oh, crampsy, oh, cramp, like, tungsten cramps. I want to be clear. I am not backing down from what I said about the Angels. I did all the twists and turns to arrive at at my final opinion, which was I'm happy they didn't trade him. I'm happy they kept him. Mm. But 
if the whole point was not the whole point, the whole point is to try to sign him in the off season, mm-hmm. but at least part of this was pushing in for this year to try to have a playoff push. And if old Cramps McGee, forget old tungsten arm, you need to be tungsten Cramp, ab. Cramp, Cramps McGee. Yeah. All right. It's time for something, Gunner. Okay. Go for it. It's time for. It's time for something just, just to chew on. Brought to you by great Canadian meats. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Do you think they like that, Reed? That's intense. I I actually, every time, expect the door to fly open and a wonderful rep from Great Canadian Meats to tell you Shower to stop acting with, like a jaguar. Yeah. Jerky? It, no. Oh. No, they're they're ashamed of you. They're oh, okay. like, stop doing that. Okay. Just say the name. Okay. I love it. Okay. So, something to chew on, Gunner. Yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins, general, uh, president of the Pittsburgh Penguins. He got a demotion. Has named a general manager for the... Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. It is the same man. It is. So, so he Kyle. is now the president and general manager. Is that, was that correct? That is correct. Of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Correct. Amundo. I'm sure that won't be stressful on his family at all. I bet it's a, it's a lot less stressful than being one of those things in Toronto. Oh, I'm pretty my. sure of that. I think, uh, yeah. You don't think? I just like think. I understand the point of like if I I am I want to be clear I'm not blind to the idea of oh you wanted more time with your family and you took it's, on a second job I, I understand that but like let's also not pretend that being very bold. clear he used the Leafs as leverage. Now that we the further we get away from it, it's very clear that he used the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's as also leverage. very clear the Leafs had their no, first admit choice. That. Yeah, admit it. He that your that your beloved my beloved your dearly beloved Kyle Dubis. Used the most storied franchise yep. in the NHL yep. as leverage to get more money from Pittsburgh. Admit it, because that's what happened. Okay, like that. It, it is very clear to me that he tried to negotiate a contract uh, and get more leveraged. money and power for it, himself, it, which is uh, the the semantics here, which is leverage. Okay, it's a negotiation. Like you, like you. You expect him to just say, oh, the Leafs want me to be the GM. No way, I should push for more power, more autonomy, well, or more they money agreed in this on a situation. Contract. Well, and, then, and then he came back on a Wednesday and I, said, I, I look, actually, my family, and I did a really weird press conference. Uh, the press and, conference is weird. I'm never going to sit here and tell you that wasn't one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life. The other thing, though, I think that we all have to, and it's like, you take this for whatever you want to believe. We still are getting, it's like, they had a contract agreed on, says mm, Shanahan. Mm, like, that is what he said. Mm. Agreed can mean very different things to many different people. Is it a handshake agreement? Did you look each other in the eye? Did he sign anything? Like, that's the difference. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there was not some negotiating ploy at play here, but I also think people are like, oh boy, look at this. It's like, let's not pretend that it is not way easier to have all those jobs and be the coach in Pittsburgh compared to one of those things in Toronto. Did he give himself more money? Because that's apparently what he cares about is money. Well, I think I think autonomy was a big part of it as well. I think going back so to all the conversations just, now we had. Now he just does everything. Yeah, he uh, runs the show. Uh, lots of time with the family. Okay, like I, I don't understand who why. He threw like, it's like, who it he, is the guy? Who okay. he threw to the wolves okay, of the so Toronto I'm, media? I just want to make sure I understand this. So oh, you're I happy. Just, I just never okay. get to see my so family. You, so you're happy he's no longer the GM, but you're offended that he's no longer the GM. Am I'm, I getting that right? I just think he's such a phony. Okay. I just think he's such a phony. 
and always was. And then he just goes and he's like, oh, my family's so stressed. I'm so stressed. I, I have no I time with my never, family. I and then he goes to another market and takes on nobody more, cares. No, where takes no on one cares. more work. Because I want no one more cares. work. And it yeah, does so it's, not it's matter. Definitely not, it doesn't matter there. It doesn't matter there. It they does, don't care about you're Pittsburgh. Gonna sit, you're going to sit here and tell me it matters one-eighth or one-tenth of what yeah, it does here? For sure. I disagree. There's not many markets I would say that for, but Pittsburgh, it matters there. It's a hockey town. They care. They love the Steelers, but the Pittsburgh Penguins would be second there for sure. And if the Pirates won no one way. playoff series, think, they would jump. I think I think hockey is bigger in Pittsburgh than you think. I think hockey is clearly number two. Yeah, but it's number, but it's really number four because the Steelers are like one, two, and three. And we should get somebody on from Pittsburgh to ask them. I, I think we should. But I just, it's just it's tough look. That's all. I it's a tough look for the for the for the Dubis. When Justin Bourne is tweeting negative Dubis things, I'm like, oh boy, this is tough for the Dubis. I just faction. I, honestly, it's like I will never understand. <laughs> You're, I will never understand it. You, the whole time he was here, you wanted a different GM. Yeah. You wanted him out. And then he left. The and way now it happened was terrible dirty. Still. The way it was happened was dirty. So, okay. So, again, just to be he clear. He used a team I've loved my entire life. Right. That it matters the most. Yeah, he that we negotiated always talk a contract no, he used with him as leverage. Okay, again, like. Leverage. So, do you think if they would have met his demands, he would be the GM of the Leafs or the GM of the Pens? Why did they deserve to meet his demands? Well, okay. What then, does he want? Then the team walked away while negotiating a contract, and I don't know why you're no, upset they, about this. Well, like, they were, they're like, hey, he's like, I want more power, more money, more everything, and I've won nothing. Okay. okay. Well, Done. Okay. And yeah, it sounds like a great idea. No, honestly, and then then we should definitely look at the guy above him who still has yeah. all the autonomy and all yeah, the power. For and sure. For sure. I, that's all a different conversation. Okay. Well, I don't. I think they're super connected. If you're going to go there, to be perfectly honest. Well, I mean, it's just uh, he stinks too. It's kind of all I needed to hear. To yeah. Listen, I'm not sitting here defending that. I will never defend that. It's just that that is the part of it that I can't understand is the people like yourself mm. who. We're, let's be honest, like thrilled he's no longer the GM. Correct. But are upset that he's no longer the GM. I'm not, upset he's, no, I'm not upset he's no longer the GM. It's just the way it happened was really dirty, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. It's always rubbed me the wrong way, and it will always rub me the wrong way. Why is it dirty that he tried to negotiate okay, for like, more things you, in okay, the contract? You can, you're clearly going to just no, no, keep saying like, this. No, well, because but, he didn't deserve it, and he shouldn't have done it. That's why. Okay, but if he didn't he, deserve it, the then there that, should have been the a bloodletting. The guy, and the guy that, in charge shouldn't be making the new decisions. You know to, what? Maybe give the guy who took the biggest chance on you ever and fired a Hall of Famer to put you in charge in the most important stretch of Leafs hockey in my life. Oh, so you wanted him to show loyalty to the guy who hired him. Yes. Show loyalty. But when Jason yeah. Spezza did that, it was well, terrible. Well, no, show loyalty. Oh, yeah, it's different. Okay. It's, that's completely different. Well, not, the I way mean, you laid out that scenario, listen, not all that different. He had... Not he was a general manager of a junior hockey team, yep. and Brendan Shanahan put him in charge of the Toronto Maple Leafs yep. over Lou Lamorello. Yeah, unbelievably massive decision. There should be some sort of loyalty there. There should be a loyalty there. There should be something there, and to use him as leverage is dirty. It was dirty from the start. I disagree. He negotiated, and he negotiated through the media, using his family as a pawn. It was awful. It was a terrible move by him. I think two things can be true. I think there is definitely a ploy of it to say that I'm going to put the family angle out there and that's going to get me more sympathy. But I also don't think it is untrue that the sure. family angle was, sure. was playing a part it's, in it. Uh, you're a big boy. It's it's the professional league. Okay. Yeah. So, and now he's never going to see them because he's even busier. I'm, Disagree because he's doing it in Pittsburgh and he could like, you he's know. a general manager and president. Guess What's what? What's he doing? He could have some, he guarantee, I guarantee you uh. the professional balance, work life, however you want to uh. word that workload, whatever uh-huh. will be better for him in Pittsburgh with him calling the shots than it would be with him working under someone. Mm. 
Okay. Seems pretty straightforward to me. Okay. All right. Michael Grange going to join us next. FIBA camp underway. Oh, is Canada it? basketball. I didn't see that. Yeah, I know. You get, Heaven forbid you open a book before you do the morning show. No, a little yeah. prep. I, I got to work. I got to sleep. All right. Michael Grange going to join us next. We'll see what else in the world you could tell Sam McKee about. Let's talk, uh, let's talk, did go- you hear, let's talk golf with Did him. you hear the Raps hired a coach? Did you miss that one too? Uh, I saw they hired, they, they hired playing coach Garrett Temple. Okay. All right. Garrett Temple, uh, hot Garrett Temple talk coming up with Grange. Maybe not. Hot TPC Toronto talk. Yes, Probably so. Now we're talking. Coming up with Michael Grange. Fan Morning Show, Sports Set by Night of the Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Brink Gunning, Sam McKee here. Halfway through the show. Congrats to you, bud. You made it. Halfway, anyways. Good dubis yelling. Yeah. Well, did that spurn you on or did it tire you out? Like, I, I worry that it I worry that it was like, you know, kind of like uh when you sprint a little too 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 early and you don't have that much juice left in the tank. I worried it'll uh There's very have you... few things I enjoy more than getting you fired off about Kyle Davis. Uh packing order. Mm. Uh, and I know we got Grange. Uh, he can hear Rory this. Or... Rory or Dubis. What do you enjoy yelling at me about more? Ah, that's a tough, that's a real Sophie's choice, but I I, I, I don't tell. think it is. I think there's no bad choice for you there. I think you're just like uh, both is uh, the answer. I love both a lot. You can't you can't pick a favorite. I think I, I would want, say Dubis. Okay, I was gonna say I want you to think about it because I want an answer by the time the show is uh, wrapped up. All right. I don't know how this next person feels about well either guy Kyle Dubis <laughs> or Rory McIlroy for that matter. Michael Grange joining us now. Would you like to offer an opinion on Kyle Dubis or Rory McIlroy before we get into the meat of the FIBA World Cup, Grange? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a big Rory fan. Okay. I think he's, uh, you know, I think he's the, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him out of the, like, ambassador for the world of golf role and just go out and win some tournaments. And, uh, you know, I think that'll help him. But I, I think he's, as pro athletes go, I think he's, we're lucky to have him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kyle Dubas. I hope he does well in Pittsburgh. You know, I think he, uh, I think he had a plan. I think, uh, I think the, the uh, I think the flatlining of the revenues after COVID kind of messed them, and uh, they were kind of backfill ever ever since. So, well, you're now you're now Gunner's favorite. I was going to say Grange. I hope you don't have anything <laughs> planned for the next hour and a half because you're a way better match for me than McKee. That's how I feel about both those things. Uh, that's awesome. I uh, love love you playing along with us uh, there, there, Grange. Uh, yeah, and uh, I knew as soon as you started that answer, I mouthed to McKee cap, and then you went there, and I'm like, yes, are, on my side, love it, Grange. Are you golfing today, Michael? Yes. Oh yeah. Where? Name names. Uh, I actually have uh, been invited to a fancy private club. So, oh, do you care to name? Pressure. I think do he does not. I think he's specifically not. Well, you know, I, the uh, Lambton. Oh, okay, all right, very yeah. nice, going very nice, played it. and very nice. Oh, so, enjoy. Yeah. Well but, done. Yeah. How's the game? How's yeah, the game? That's What's what the, we need to yeah. know. Are you in good shape for heading into this? Not bad, not okay. bad. Uh, t- t- tied the franchise record the other day. Ooh, so, which is uh, seventy-seven. Oh, there we nice. go. So nice. So, and, then follow- and more importantly, followed up with an eighty. So, oh yeah, that's hard to do. I sh- I shot a seventy-eight the other day and then followed it up with a ninety-three range. So yeah, that's uh, what I was, that's, 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 that's terrifying. What I was very scared about. Yeah, so, it's not good. Uh, no. All right, yeah. there you go. 
We've got the golf chat. No, we need one more. I need okay. a little scouting report on your grain. On, on, on your the, grange. The grange of it's not three point grange, but it's Grange's game. <laughs> well, what's what's getting you around out there? You got a what's good game? short game. You find him fairways. What's your game like, Grange? Um, I uh, I play up at Osprey Valley a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, so their fairways are fairly generous. Mm-hmm. So I I. I generally find them, but I can't take too much credit for that because, you know, it's hard not to. If you're not finding it there, you've got a problem. Hands up. I got a problem. Um, And then when I'm playing well, when I'm playing badly, Mm. which is not that, which is somewhat regularly, um, (laughs) my irons are terrible. Uh, My my chipping and short game stuff is usually pretty steady, pretty steady. Mm. But that's usually the swing, the swing thing is if I can, if I can start kind of, Getting the uh, back of my hand to the uh, to the back of the golf ball, yeah, and usually it's a little better. Nice, yeah. I I watched one Phil Mickelson chipping TikTok recently, and it's completely changed my game. My chipping's been <laughs> to the on point fire. to the point that he had a session with a Canadian national team coach this summer and has foregone that advice yeah. because of one Mickelson tip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just hit everything off the front foot, and it's perfect every time. Anyways, we can get to, we can get there to hoops here if you want. All right, uh, people, yeah, well, I'm I'm fine either way. All right. <laughs> I mean, don't don't tempt us because we could do this. We could just have a nice round table on all our games and our ales. But I don't know how much everybody wants that. The two of us want it very badly. But uh, we should probably mention the uh, FIBA World Cup training camp here for this team. We're just looking at the odds. They are second favorites. I guess that couldn't shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. But it kind of feels like one, right? Because Canada has had good rosters before, but hasn't had the results they want. Uh, are you surprised that they come into the tournament as kind of second betting favorites there? Um, no, no. I think if you're, you know, part of that is, is how they set lines, right? So they're trying to attract money. I mean, I'm no expert in that, but uh, yeah, sound like one. You know, um, so if they're, you know, you look at some of the name recognition they can offer, the candidate can offer, just in terms of Shea and Jamal in particular. Um, you know, I think you're gonna. That's one way that you can you can attract some money on that, but. Um, are they legitimately the second most likely team to win the tournament um, after the U.S.? Um, I wouldn't quite go that far. I think, um, you know, you just look at their opening round opponent, which is France, and, you know, they have maybe not quite the star power that, that you know, Canada can roll out with Shea and Jamal in particular. But, um, you know, they have one of the best defensive players in the world and Rudy Gobert, who's playing in the FIBA where you, you never have to leave the paint. You have, you know, Nick, mm-hmm. Nick Batum, uh, Evan Fournier. These uh, sounds like teams know. that beat Canada. I yes. gotta be honest. So they're, they're teams, <laughs> you know, the point I'm trying to make slowly is, um, you know, a team like France and there are others like them that they have maybe not overall the depth of star power or the peak, uh, but they just have so many players who've played so long together. And like France has just coming off a European, you know, they, they've, they've just been knocking at the door at World Cups, European Championships and things like that. And that's where Canada is missing. And, and, and they just don't have that collective scar tissue as a group. Um, and even this team, you know, these, this is now the second year of the so-called summer core um, you know, this team really only played a couple of games together last year. And even in those games, even though you had most of the core in training camp and, and kind of being around, they didn't actually play. Mm-hmm. You know, guys were injured and in contracts and stuff like this. Like Joel Murray and Shea 
and Shay have never played before together. Um, so, you know, so that's sort of where you'd kind of uh, throw up a little bit of a red, of a cautionary, a yellow flag, I guess. Um, and then also as a roster top to bottom, they just don't have a ton of shooting, um, which is, you know, that can bite you, right? Like you just need one game at the wrong moment where you just don't have enough guys that can, uh, can make shots from deep and you can be in a, into a problem. So that's, that's the, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be negative at all. No. I'm just trying to say that those are some of the issues. The other side of that is this team is loaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, this week in camp, you know, they, they've kind of made three players a day available to the media. And, you know, we're now talking to nine different guys, and all of them are either uh, seasoned NBA starters or, in the case of Jamal and Shea, and, you know, uh, all NBA level players. And, um, you know, and you got, that's not even mentioning uh, RJ Barrett, who's, you know, who, who can take over games, and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who's on the verge, I think, of breaking out in the NBA, and Lou Dort, who's one of the best. Uh, you know, yesterday we talked to Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks, and, you know, I've been around a lot of professional athletes, uh, you know, clearly, obviously. And, you know, you kind of get numb, especially around the NBA, how big and athletically imposing some of these guys can be. Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks, I cannot imagine how people score on those guys. (laughs) It is like Dylan Brooks is built like a really good CFL rush end. Like he is 6'6", 6'7". He got away about 240. He is absolutely packed. And, you know, like I, he clearly could be an NFL quality athlete. Like, I mean, he is that big and strong and obviously playing basketball, he's got the quickness and all that. And Lou Dort for sure could play in the NFL. Like for <laughs> sure. Like he is, he would be uh, NFL. He is an, he is the definition of an NFL linebacker. Um, he's like six, five, two thirty. There is everything on him is like, he is chiseled. And just talking to those guys back to back, you're standing there and you're like, what the hell? And literally, as the guys played a reasonable share of basketball, I'm like, you could never score on them. You just couldn't. <laughs> so, and, and, and in FIBA in particular, you're, they're way more liberal on how you, exactly. um, the amount of physicality you're allowed to use off the ball. And for people who are familiar with basketball or not, like uh, that really matters. It's a equivalent of clutching and grabbing in hockey. And, you know, and, and you can really impede how players how, uh, how players set screens. You get, that screws up the angle of the screen. You can impede how the player trying to use the screen can get to the screen. And, you know, they have not just one of the best defenders in the world. They have two. And, um, you know, and, and then you kind of go through the rest of their lineup. And, you know, they just, they're just kind of loaded with R.J. Barrett, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, you know, they just have a collection of guys. Jay himself is six six with arms of a seven footer. You know, they just have a collection of guys who can be disruptive defensively, can switch defensively, and um, you know, I think that's the other side of that coin. Is, is this team can really have an identity that way? Yeah, like every time I watch one of these FIBA games, Grange against Canada. They've just got like a couple butchers who are just beating the crap out of everybody, yeah. and it's like. That's what you need, and Canada has multiple guys like that. So I, I do, I do love that aspect. What about the you're talking about the continuity and that potentially being an issue? You know, 
they brought in a brand new coach right before this. You know, Jordy Fernandez takes over for Nick Nurse. I, I mean, what? How big of a factor is that going into this? Because this is like his first time running a Canada camp, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a big deal. Um, it is his first time, and uh, literally, yeah, it's twenty-five days. Yeah. Um, from the first day of practice to you know playing against France, I keep mentioning France. That's the first team they play in group play, and you know, and and it's a huge game, <laughs> and um, and that's just not a lot of time. Sorry, I just choked on my coffee. Hey, that's so just not a lot of time. Choke to, on as any. <laughs> yeah, um, to get the level of cohesion you're going to need, um, but you know, the flip side of that is. The, you know, the staff is returning, so there's a lot of continuity there. And one thing I've heard over and over again, and, I, you know, I've talked to some of the assistants I know who've worked with these players in the past, and, um, you know, just knowing the players individually is um, it's a very, very high IQ group. And, um, you know, and, and you kind of underestimate sometimes how, much information uh, these guys are required to process in terms of, you know, the, the schemes they're, they're running, the, you know, how to diagnose the defense, defenses they're facing, uh, and, you know, flip that around the other side of the ball, all the personnel stuff. And, you know, when you get to the level most of these guys have reached in the NBA, a huge part of it is your IQ and how, how able, quick you are, are, you can process and, um, you know, the level of familiarity you have with whatever concepts are being presented. And, um, you know, on this team, again, because of what I was talking about in terms of, you know, both the quality of the players they have and the level of experience they have throughout the roster, um, you know, that's a big plus. So, you know, it's not ideal for sure to have a new head coach, you know, a month before a tournament. Um, but it's the situation I think is, they're, they're going to make the best of it uh, just because of the team they are. Yeah, that's uh, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. And I, uh, I know a lot of people are excited, rightfully so, myself included. Uh, Grange, most importantly, though, as Mike Babcock told us yesterday, hit him straight. Hit him straight, Grange. <laughs> impress him at or, that at private least, club. At least where you can find him. Yeah, at least, yeah, yeah somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully impress that's him. I, that's all I hope for. Yeah. Uh, there he goes, Michael Grange, our pal. Just, he loves golf. Just make sure your socks are low. He, he loves... He loves golf and coffee, so welcome um, anytime. So while we were talking to Grange there, we just have the TVs on in here. Yeah. And I was looking up there. I just saw an absolute hoot nanny at the Jake Paul, Nate Diaz thing. Yeah. Was that a real thing? I mean, I, I am, I've never been more out on something so quickly. And you know me, once I'm out, it's hard to make me reverse course as the Paul brothers. Just can from I, the jump, can I, I know. No, can I admit something? To you? I, you can admit whatever you want. I'm telling you, you're wrong too, because I know what you're going to say. Uh, I'm interested in these fights. Yeah, no, I. I this don't. is what boxing's become. Like this is like it's now terrible. The, it, it is. It was it's the disgusting. Sweet, it was a sweet science. It was one of the most popular sports the hate, for a long like, time. Like it, we don't feel that far removed from like. And I want to be clear. Like I'm not Mr. Boxing here. Like I'm not Max <laughs> Kellerman, but. I love no, the. What's the Boston writer that does boxing? Uh, uh, he's on Simmons sometimes. No, I can't remember. He, can Danielle? You'll know. Oh, is it Shaughnessy? Is that who you're talking no, about? No, there's like a guy that's like really popular Boston oh. writer that does boxing. Mannix, thank you, oh, Chris, Chris Mannix. Thank yes, you, he does Danielle. Love it, yes. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, uh, and he does coverage for it uh, on them for them as well. Yes, that's right. But like, I'm not going to pretend I'm Mr. Sweet Science here, mm. but I 
love the idea of a I'd big watch fight. Boxing match, ten times out of ten over UFC. Oh, one thousand. Not even close. Like the one that the one that sticks out to me, and it's like I'm sure there have been other big fights since then, but it's like the Mayweather Pacquiao, like oh, Mayweather McGregor was huge yeah, too. But like he's not a boxer. Yeah, you know? he stood in there, did pretty well. I I, I do not. Once it's like, hey, this guy's right. not a boxer. Pacquiao. Like, I'm out. Pacquiao. I feel like somebody. I feel like some boxing nerd. I recall having some conversations with somebody here who liked it, and there's like, you know, there's been some big Canelo fights, but he hasn't had the foil like you had with Mayweather Pacquiao. Mm-hmm. That was the last one. I remember watching with a Filipino buddy, and Pac- oh, when boy. Pacquiao got dropped, oh, yeah. we were at. Uh, the, <laughs> you want to talk about a hoot nanny? That was at the Madison, uh, oh, like in the prime oh, of my twenties, oh, on a yeah. fight night. A lot oh, yeah. of affliction. <laughs> Say a little tap out, lot, lot tap of tap out, out lot of affliction. Oh, yeah. Just complete side note that you'll appreciate. Mm. Uh, this will shock you. I was not a big affliction t-shirt guy, but I remember when I moved to Windsor, we're like going out. My bud's like, yeah, wear this, like wear this affliction shirt. And I'm like, it's not me. He's like, yeah, but this is the whole thing. New city. Nobody knows you. Just go be an affliction shirt guy for a night. Did you wear it? I wore it out. I was, but I was like, I was like, this is not for me. This is not for me. Uh, so, <laughs> but I feel like if you wear that shirt. It you has to be, be for to you. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm like, there will be a hoot nanny. <laughs> I'm fighting. Yeah. So I, every time I see it, it honestly, it just makes me sad. Like I, I am so, so wishful. I was about to use a different word, but I'll, I'll dial it back a little bit. I'm so wishful. You long I for long it? for it. Yeah. It was a, yeah. I long for the days of a big, sexy boxing fight that isn't, Hey, look at this guy who's, who's the, not a boxer. And look at this. Like who's the heavyweight champion of the world right now? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, I do know this. Is it Tyson Fury still? Is he still the champ? I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Oh, uh, Daniele says he's a scaredy cat, so he's holding on to the belt, and that's why he has da- it. Okay. How do you know everything? He, he should be here, not me. I'm like, what are we talking to Grange about? This guy knows the heavyweight champion of the world. He's buzzing in my ear with everything I need to know. He knows so much. There was this, there was a guy. Oh, he was the uh, he was the heavyweight champ right before Tyson Fury. He was like a bigger guy. And I've heard of no, no, no. He was a Spanish guy, I think. Uh, but I, like American, person, I don't know. One person I've heard of on this list is Canelo Alvarez. I've heard of him. But I'm looking through this. It's like that didn't used to be the case when we were kids. No, you heard Boxing of all the was guys. Like big deal. So I guess it's kind of trans. Andrew Ruiz is uh, oh, okay. Daniele Buzzingamayor, and he was like a fun story because he wasn't really supposed to be the heavyweight champ. Apparently, he was like a really good boxer, and then he kind of lost mm-hmm. his way, and then he. Uh, somebody had to pull out, so he got the fight. He was like a little overweight, and he just beat the wheels off the guy. So I do remember that being a fun story. It was definitely just because Simmons was talking about there's, it. But yeah. There's definitely like I do like a big, I do like a big UFC fight too. Like yep. they're um, the night before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the guy's last name? Is Volkanovsky. Sure. He fought the Russian guy. Daniela, I see the top he, of his Jay's hat looks, nodding. Looks like the guy. He fought the guy that's like looks like Habib. Okay. The, uh, the Russian guy. He was like the. Yeah. Oh, I was about to say he fought Hasbula. What? What's no. his name? Okay, I'm not gonna say that. Okay. Makachev. Uh, <laughs> and all the boys bet heavy on the dog yeah. on Volkanov or Volkanovsky, yeah, yeah. and he's just like this little muscle meatball from oh, Australia, yeah. and. He, Every, and he was a live dog, and many, many UFC people We're on my Twitter right. said he should have won. Wow. And there was, like, a moment in the fight when he got to on top of uh, Machkakov or whatever, and he was, like, <laughs> punching down on him, and there was eight 
guys at 2 a.m. screaming about it, it, all betting on it. It Amazing. was one of the most electrifying moments of my a life. Good, gambling on fighting is very fun. A good drunk yell about anything oh, is yeah. great, but combat and sports we were like slapping knees and like, go, go. Yeah, it, was oh, it's great. it was a lot of fun. It's great. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Like, we all, like, this is the thing. It's like, you don't have to be in the throes of the IBF rankings yeah. to enjoy watching somebody get punched in yeah. the face. Like, it is a pretty visceral, awesome thing. Yeah. Oh, to like the, buy the the pay per view. Oh yeah, expensive. no, you you like you like you gotta be a true boxing sicko to buy the pay per view by yourself mm-hmm. to sit there. But it's like go out to a bar, get a bunch of buds together, whatever it is. Uh, I again, I love it. Uh, I'm putting the PSA out there to boxing. If you'd like to have a guy that is a superstar that would intrigue me, mm-hmm. I would sign up for that. I would too. Would subscribe. So, but 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 you know this has no interest for you. Nate Diaz versus none. Was it Jake or? Logan, See, which one's doesn't, fighting? Doesn't matter. Jake Paul's fighting. Okay, doesn't I, doesn't matter. I will. I have say, no interest. I I have none. I, I hope I hope Nate Diaz beats the wheels off him. But I looked at the odds, and he's like a big big underdog. Apparently, who is Nate, Nate Diaz? Diaz. Well, I, I will say this: like I know they're all fake. Yeah, yeah. But like, I'm impressed by the athleticism sure. of Jake Paul. I'm not. I'm. Buddy. He looks like he yeah. looks like a stud. He's an athlete. He totally. boxes. His brother was wrestling. Like yeah. these guys are at least athletes like it, it, they look like an athlete okay, to me t- I, I guess the problem i have with this is like what would be the equivalent of because you know i like we all everybody always makes fun of like drake for like wanting to jump on the bandwagon yeah. or whatever and it's like I you know what drake yeah, he's such a cool yeah, of course you know what i would do it's like try to be friends with all the athletes but what of else course. i would do what else i would do though if i was a 22 year old or however old these paul brothers are yeah. millionaire with all the time in the world on my hands yeah. you know what i would do dedicate my life yeah, to not sucking at golf but you know what i wouldn't do yeah. set up matches with like a croquet player because it's kind of <laughs> similar yeah. and then be like look at me i'm a pro i beat this croquet player at golf or whatever like it just that is the thing that i okay. that is the thing i can't wrap my head around okay i have yeah. it's a ton of fun actually. oh yeah it's actually really the, good you put yeah. the foot on the ball you give it a good smack yeah. oh yeah it's I, great don't you like kind of yeah like, but you also can do one where you step radio you step on the motion yeah you step on the ball in front and then yeah. you give it a good crack i love it it's, it's a great. good game hot game it is fun all right croquet guest next week <laughs> probably not uh but we will talk we to go. our next guest uh gonna head to boston find out who's getting the ball for their socks other than paxton in this series one hour left and get your text in for shout outs 595 90 please include your name and location fan morning show on sportsnet 590 the fan